Hi, everyone. It's Amelia Quint. I'm here with Jessa Crispin for the latest episode of Bad Astrologers, where we take a cultural, spiritual, literary, and mythological look at the heavens. This time around, we have something a little different for you, and we think you're going to love it. But before we get started, we want to say thank you to our amazing patrons. This podcast is made possible by your support, and we're so glad to have you as part of our growing community. If you love what we do, consider pitching in on Patreon, where for a small contribution, you can get access to bonus episodes, monthly forecasts, and lots more. We just filmed our first Q&A video, which was a lot of fun. And coming soon, we'll be adding a tier that includes astrology and tarot readings as perks. So if you want in on the magic, come join us. Another great way to show your support is, as always, to leave us a positive review on iTunes so the magic Apple algorithm can show our work to more lovely people just like you. And of course, follow us on social media. Jessa runs the Instagram, and I'm over on Twitter. We really do love to hear from you, so go ahead. Tell us how you're feeling. We're both water signs, so you know we get it. Speaking of water signs, this week's episode is a deep dive into the waters of Venus and Pisces through the lives of some of our favorite artists and mystics. We talk about all the possible results of this placement, including making gorgeous art, having access to mystical insights, and in some cases, being a fuckboy. Trust us, you're in for a real treat. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. This is the beginning in a series of particular particular placements in natal charts to understand sort of more fully the different ways in which they can be worked with and manifested. Um, and I wanted to start with Venus and Pisces because when I have a I do Venus focused astrological readings and. A lot of people come to me with Venus and Pisces problems because it's not an easy, it's not an easy thing to have in your chart. Um, so yeah, so I wanted to look at different um, people and artists who've who've had it in the ways that they they managed it. <laughs> Some of them did better than others. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. I'm really yeah. excited to hear your take on Venus, since you're kind of a Venus person, with it being your chart ruler and all, I feel like you can lend some clarity to it. Yeah. Um, very. Mine is a very different expression uh, than Venus and Pisces. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, uh, I spend a lot of time thinking about how dumb we are about Venus um, <laughs> that she's seen as this kind of like bimbo figure or like a matchmaker or you know uh, um, just having nothing to do with anything other than love and relationships um, where she's super complicated in astrology and in mythology um, so yeah uh, what's how's how's your relationship with Venus my relationship with Venus is also complicated, and especially to Venus in Pisces, because I have the opposite placement, um, Venus in Virgo, which I think we'll talk about a little bit. That means it's a, in its fall, so the energy doesn't um, express. Traditional astrology says that the energy doesn't express, it, express itself as well. I mean, I kind of think Venus in Virgo is awesome, but that's a topic for another episode. Um, I have written a lot about Venus as a part of erotic astrology and, again, the sort of matchmaking aspect, but I think people reduce her so much. Um, I mean, obviously, she is a woman, and that's what culture does. Um, she is so many more things than just the sexual aspect. I mean, she's the goddess of beauty. Um, in the chart, she also relates to um, flow of money. Um, what else am I leaving out? Um, 
justice. Uh, yeah. You know, she rules Libra, which uh, rules the legal system. So she has a philosophical aspect as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, in Taurus, I, I feel like she, uh, the sign that she rules Taurus and Libra. With Taurus, it's much more about pleasure mm-hmm. um, and the, our relationship with the material realm. And Libra, it's much more philosophical. Um but yeah, it and it's interesting you talking about the Venus and Virgo being in its fall. Uh, Venus and Pisces is what's called exalted, um, which just means that its uh, energy is sort of uh, expressed in a quote unquote higher form. Um, but I feel like um, the people that I've talked to. Uh, in the course of doing these Venus readings have a lot more problems with Venus and Pisces than they do with Venus and Virgo. Um, So yeah, so it's kind of interesting. You know, it doesn't always directly translate to exalted is good and (laughs) right, right, (laughs) right. is bad. I'm really curious. I wanted to ask you, um, I, I don't know where it came from. And maybe, you know, like this idea that Neptune, which is the ruler of Pisces, is the higher octave of Venus. Like, do you know where Mm -hmm. that came from? I mean, I agree. And I think it's a good representation, but I, I don't know who decided that. Um, well, that kind of, these sorts of things were decided. Um, and it's weird that Neptune is associated with, um, with Venus in that way, but, you know, uh, when we're dealing with very traditional astrology, obviously the outer planets had not yet been discovered, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, once they were, things had to get shifted around. Um, so Neptune and Pisces, like the, uh, or Neptune and Venus, from everything that I've read, um, it's um, Venus is about love and Neptune is about divinity, a love of divinity. So it's just like a kind of, um, you know, but that also might be part of the, <laughs> the misogyny or the fear of the body and that kind of stuff of it. It's like, well, it's fine to love a person, <laughs> but it's better to love God, right? Oh, so- yeah, that that may actually be where it's like, oh, well, the higher version of it would be to sort of issue the body because that's too scary. So we're just going to elevate our love to just deity, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think from what I understand that that's, that that's where it came from, even though Jupiter was the traditional ruler of um, of Pisces before Neptune was discovered. Which, as we'll get into, I think makes a lot more sense. Um, yeah, so where, where to start with Venus and Pisces? Um, we are uh, going to talk about a couple different figures. Um, but generally, so we've talked about Venus being about love and relationships, but also philosophy and aesthetics and beauty. So obviously, Venus plays a very important role in the lives of artists. Um, and also because of the Pisces element, Venus and Pisces has a particularly um important role to play in the spiritual lives of of people um yeah where where should we start (laughs) i think the only place to start is henry james of course (laughs) yeah i mean when i think about venus and pisces i think about henry james because that motherfucker did not have a really good time with his venus and pisces um (laughs) he struggled yeah he struggled and you know, one of the elements of Pisces is that it rules the twelfth house, which is the house of solitude. <laughs> um, and so sometimes Venus and Pisces, you know, with Henry James, uh, you know, he died a virgin, and there was maybe something tragically wrong with his dick. Uh, there was a oh gosh, accident. <laughs> it's very unclear. Uh, but there seemed to be functionality issues, but it's all alluded to, um, <laughs> and nothing said directly. Uh, I don't know if that's actual Venus and Pisces issues, but it certainly had an effect on his ability to be intimate, uh, to be intimate with people. Maybe that's what happens when your Venus and Pisces is like completely unaspected, right? Like there's no interpersonal connection. You would just like 
stay hidden forever. I'm not too sure. I know. Poor, poor Henry James. Um, Venus and Pisces in the seventh house, unaspected. That's just this free floating uh, loneliness and longing um, that just moves around uh, the margins of parties, as far as I can tell. Like, that's just how I'm, that's how I'm just sort of seeing seeing it right it was like the the cool um wallflower emo boy i guess before that was a a trope yeah um but the nice thing about venus and pisces and we'll we'll talk about this through the episode uh because it seems like everybody has it um you know when we think about pisces and neptune uh it's very sort of shapeless um, Pisces is this kind of mist. And so you can sort of shape it in various ways into whatever you want. Like it, the sublimation is, is a key element of the Venus and Pisces thing. So if you spend your life longing because something is, is wrong with your stuff, um, (laughs) and also you're just sort of really bad at intimacy and you have incredibly strong, mommy issues and so on and so on uh then you can sublimate that shit into art like uh like uh like nothing else i guess that does seem to be the way it is it is it is sad though that so many venus and pisces folks they have this deep seated desire they're driven by this sort of yearning um that Mm -hmm. never gets fulfilled and as i sort of thought about our list of folks like i wonder how much of that is like subconscious or whether like on some level they're like the yearning feels good they're like I this is giving my art something you know I guess there's no way to be sure except ask a Venus and Pisces but yeah well I feel like you know that's also can be any sort of Neptune influence in Mm -hmm. um like in the seventh house or squaring Venus or anything like that is that motif of longing is really intense. Um, And yet there's an eroticism to that feeling. There's a a usefulness to that feeling, certainly. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, how much fucking great art has been just expressions of longing for something impossible. Um, No one wants great art or can even, I don't know, can even create it of just like, oh, I have this thing and it's nice. (laughs) Right. I'm so happy and listen to me be happy. I mean, that's very, very, very rare. I can't think of any examples of that being the thing that I want to listen to when I'm having a bad day or, or read to sort of save you from that terrible stress feeling right yeah no it's boring neptune uh separates us and yet um you can do beautiful things with it um and so definitely there can be an element of the muse right like uh henry james wrote beautiful novels about the women that he encountered like he was a social butterfly and he spent all of his time in society and he wrote about the women that he met and allowed them to be really complicated, allowed them to be deeply complex and troubled and weird. Uh, mm-hmm. The women of his novels are very um, psychologically rich in a way that you, you don't tend to see. Um, yeah. So that element of longing and empathy and these wonderful sort of Pisces things that, I mean, they're wonderful, but it's also not, uh, it's also not present, but you can shape it into something else. And I think Henry James did a really good job of it. He did. He really did. I mean, Venus in Pisces is, you were talking about how emotional he was and how he just felt such strong feelings for the women in his life, but wasn't really able to, or maybe didn't desire to seal the deal. Who knows? But I think because Venus in Pisces is such a strong Venus, a lot of these Mm -hmm. people that we'll talk about, 
it's not like they project that sad boy on the surface necessarily all the time. Like a lot of them mm. come across as like socialites or even players in in some cases. They don't seem, you know, socially awkward or like they don't know what they're doing. It's sort of this the 12th house is um secrets or hidden things. So it's kind of like that's their personal secret burden to bear that they have this longing and aren't quite sure how to act on it. Can I can I tell you my favorite uh, Henry James stories, which is the most Venus and Pisces story that uh, anybody has ever gone through? Yes. So Henry James had a woman friend. Uh, Henry James, by the way, was maybe gay. Again, it's like his dick. We don't know. <laughs> uh, there's there's a lot of references. There's a lot of sort of winks and nods. Um, but as far as direct statements, we don't have a lot. So um, possibly gay, but does it even matter if, you know, your entire life is this expression of longing? Probably not. Um, so he had a woman friend who fell in love with him. Um, and she was a great companion and inspiration to him, but he couldn't be a partner to her. And she, you know, had a hard time dealing with that. And she ended up killing herself in, in Venice. So Henry James goes to Venice, uh, to sort of pack up her things, uh, and takes a trunk of her dresses out into the lagoon on a boat and, tosses her dresses into the water but they keep floating up to the surface and he keeps using the oar to push them back down and they keep floating back up oh wow um it's it's the most intensely venus and pisces thing that's ever happened in the world i feel like we should probably just stop the podcast right there because that is the most literal example of (laughs) venus and pisces that i've ever heard um yeah you can't make that up no um yeah so let's talk about you wanted to talk about patricia highsmith uh who has very complicated (laughs) venus and pisces or scares she has a lot going on with her venus and pisces and let's be real if you've read her novels like are we really surprised by that definitely not Uh, So just to lay out the landscape, she has Venus and Pisces in her third house, which would be obviously communication, um, writing, duh. Um, But it's also conjunct her Mars and her IC and opposite Jupiter. So this is so, so, so intense. Um, I can't even begin to start. So what we see with a lot of her characters, obviously the price of salt, I absolutely love. Um, she uses the sort of distortion abilities of Pisces to portray these seducers and then in other novels, con men and sociopaths. Um, and it really takes the, the depths of that Piscean obsession to its logical end, which is, uh, you know, honestly, very, very sad. If anyone's seen the movie adaptation of, of Carol, I think Venus and Pisces at its worst is just Kate Blanchett crying into the phone saying, I miss you. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> that is what Venus and Pisces looks like. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, the 12th house is also deception and and illusions. So we do see um, people sort of pursuing their, again, with Pisces, there's this lack of boundaries and you can sublimate your love for the wrong reasons. Like, oh, I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this so we can be together. Um, And you just leave a trail of destruction in your wake, Um, whether it's a a marriage or children or um, whatever it may be. with the conjunction to the IC, I'm really intrigued by that, sort of selfishly, because I also have Mars and Pisces conjunct the IC. Um, but I think there's some really, in- she's driven by such intense emotions. You know, I don't know too much about her personal life, but um, I'm just fascinated by what may be going on in her psyche or what she may have gone through to sort of um, cause these inspirations to, to bubble up into these works because it's a lot. 
Um, I taught I taught her in uh, in a class that I that I had called uh, Great Books by Bad People. Um, oh, yes, and yeah, I mean, one of her sort of hobbies was seducing married women, getting them to leave their husbands, and then immediately ditching them. You know, just like wrecking their lives entirely, and then being like, "Bye." Um, so oh. so yeah, <gasps> she she seemed to think it was great fun. Um, but definitely the element of Pisces that is about illusion and delusion sort of allows you to take advantage of people. Um, and her Venus and Mars conjunct in Pisces is just weaponized. It's like really this ability to love and hate somebody at the same time, I think. Um, and that translates into her work with the Ripley novels, you know, mm-hmm. the Ripley, poor, poor Ripley having to murder the people that he loves. Um, and then also to seduce them in ways in order to completely fleece them. So, so yeah, she's, she's definitely working the dark side of the Venus oh, and Pisces. Aspect. And this is such a good example too, because, um, the, having Venus and Pisces conjunct that I see if anybody's listening and you aren't sure what that is it's the um, opposite point of the midheaven at the very base of the chart in the fourth house um, which relates to emotions and home and family like having Venus Mars and Pisces on the IC if it's not done well and you know maybe if it's opposite <laughs> Jupiter it has definite yeah. homewrecker vibes yes. definite homewrecker yes. vibes yeah um, Highsmith not being the only person who weaponized uh, their Venus and Pisces uh, Osama Bin Laden as well <laughs> Patricia Highsmith to Osama Bin Laden it's like 0 yeah, to 60 real quick very very uh, seamless transi- transition there uh, from Highsmith to Bin Laden I think so yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, his was also very souped up, um, but to me, you know, the the Venus in Pisces element of the Selma Bin Laden situation makes a lot of sense in this in the way of like we think of it as being very spiritual, we think of it as being very empathetic uh, and sensitive, um, and we don't like to think about the way that terrorists and murderers and and so on think about what it is that they're doing, right? To him, uh, and a lot of people who followed him, what they were doing was uh, trying to protect Muslims who were being murdered by the American government in all of these different wars. So that is, in a way, an act of empathy, Um, and it's complicated, I know, and it's, I don't want to get into an argument with anybody about (laughs) 9-11, so please do not email me. Um, but, uh, but to me, that makes sense as, as a placement for somebody who believes in annihilation, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the conviction with which a Pisces person can believe a complete untruth is something to not be underestimated, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. especially in Osama bin Laden's case. Um, very, very scary. What all did he have? He His whole chart is sort of almost defined by the Venus and Pisces situation. Um, he had it conjunct his son, so there you go, Mercury and Lilith. So it's like he's... He was fighting for a cause, even if it was a very fucked up cause. Um, And he was sort of using that empathy to be a messenger of, you know, religious devotion to people. Um, But along the way, it's a very nasty side of this. You know, not everybody uses their astrology placements for good. So, Um, Yeah, and he had a moon in Cancer, which is also supposed to be a very empathetic, a very nurturing um, placement. Um, And at the same time, (laughs) if anybody's ever had a mother (laughs) who 
<laughs> was not, uh, you know, um, the the dark side of that maternal energy. Uh, it it exists. Um, mm-hmm. It's sort of, you know, we don't we don't really. That's not in fashion to to talk about that part of it anymore. But it definitely is. I mean, his chart is a mess with the T square mm-hmm. and the grand trine and the every. You know, it's a. It makes me dizzy just looking at it. But yeah. We'll have to do a separate, um, totally separate episode about aspect patterns in the chart because I could totally go on a complete tangent on that right now. But I'm going to I'm going to rein it in. Um, Yeah. And obviously, I think the moon and cancer, it just enhances the Venus and Pisces because they play so well together. Um, It's just Mm -hmm. they're just bringing out the worst in each other. Um, But somebody who had a kind of similar-ish chart um, is St. Teresa, who had Mm. Venus in Pisces, who also had a T-square. And she obviously went a different way uh, with the way that she managed her Venus in Pisces. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And hers was also in the, hers was in the 12th house. Um, But she sort of focused on an internal expression of the Venus and Pisces as being a conduit to divinity. Her book, uh, The Interior Castle, is still a really brilliant um, look at meditation, about maintaining a personal relationship with divinity, um, about sort of making space for the spiritual in your life. Um, And... You know, she was living in dark times. She was brought up before the Inquisition multiple times and, you know, managed to flirt and talk her way out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, she's uh, she went in a different way with it. But there's different ways to look at um, what to do about the suffering of others. And St. Teresa was sort of very aware of the position of women in society And her mission for that wasn't to, you know, destroy men. It was (laughs) uh, to build convents and to build these alternative spaces for women um, so that they could live somewhere outside of uh, a society that wanted them to be just mothers and wives, die in childbirth and these sorts of things. You know, she wrote extensively about that. She watched her mother die in childbirth. and so, yeah, so she was trying to create something from the empathy she felt from the suffering she saw rather mm. than just um, go on a path of destruction. So I think she obviously there's going to be myriad ways to do Venus and Pisces energy well. But I think she's sort of one of the shining examples of what you could possibly do with this energy. Um, I also find it really cool that nowadays when we think of convents, you immediately think 12th house. That's where that lies. So mm-hmm. she, she was already tapped into it early on. Um, yeah. But yeah, using the Venus and Pisces to, um, you know, have these sort of mystical connections with God and also to actually do something about them um, mm-hmm. by... Opening up the comment. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) An example of how oppositions can work for you is all I'm saying. (laughs) We love St. Teresa in this house. That's that's all I'll say. Um, And also on the disappointing list of Venus and Pisces, we've got uh, we've got Justin Bieber. Um, It's very sad. It's very, but this sort of, uh, so she, uh, Amelia and I were talking about this, um, about, you know, uh, the different people with this aspect and it just sort of proves my theory that I've had about Venus and Pisces, uh, in a certain element. It's, it's the fuck boy placement. Um, <laughs> I'm really sorry, for some. but sometimes... In certain emanations, Venus and Pisces can be a fuckboy. Hate to break it to y'all. Justin Bieber, Orlando Bloom. (laughs) Um, Knight of Cups energy everywhere for for the tarot folks in the room. 
Yeah, Casanova, the ultimate fuckboy. Uh, <laughs> at least he could he could write. I don't know what the... I think they just do cocaine. But the, at least Casanova... Uh, <laughs> Had some marketable book, skills. You know? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but you you have your own theory about Venus and Pisces. Well, uh, I, th- I the think table. they go together really nicely, actually. So when I was looking at particularly the men who have Venus and Pisces, they're all sort of in these sort of like high fantasy films and franchises to the point where they become like the fan fiction darling. So Orlando Bloom obviously was... Um, Legolas and Lord of the Rings. Heath Ledger also had um, Venus in Pisces, and he was in A Knight's Tale, which is very, you know, romantic and fantasy-driven. And then even Alan Rickman, uh, who was very famous as Severus Snape, among other things, but I think that's kind of what he's remembered for, maybe, sadly, not too sure. Um, They all just fit into this... um, yeah, the high fantasy in the proper sense world. But, you know, when I think about the fan fiction side of things, I I don't want to start any fights, but fan fiction kind of freaks me out a little. Um, but it feels like a very Venus and Pisces thing because it makes the individual a fantasy rather than a flesh and blood person. Um, and so I wonder if the Venus and Pisces men don't sort of like they are projecting that energy and that's how people want to engage with them, even if it's like kind of a little creepy. Um, Mm. Even, I think there's even Justin Bieber fan fiction out there, you guys. It's a weird world we live in. I don't understand. No. Doing what? Like, doing his taxes? Google it. (laughs) It's definitely not going to. It's harrowing. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But the basic idea is that, yeah, I mean the the folks with this placement do really well in the sort of very magical enchanting i'm going to ride in on my white horse and uh sweep you away to a land of mag- a, a wizard school or something um <laughs> <laughs> that is very knight of cups i suppose but um I think with the Knight of Cups archetype, you have to look a little bit past that veneer and say, like, what would it really be like to be with the Knight of Cups IRL, right? Like, okay, so what do they even have in that cup? Who knows? Um, How many other men, women, whoever have they, you know, tried to sell their mm, weird magic juice to? I'm not too sure. But yeah, I mean, true fuckboy behavior is is the stuff of the 12th house, the sort of I'm going to glamour you and enchant you with how um, magical and special this evening is or how magical and special I can make you feel um, or this cocaine is making you feel. Um, Yeah. And then dump your ass back into reality in a hard kind of way. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, No. I mean, I'm sure it feels nice. I'm sure all, you know, all sort of, and I had Neptune opposite my Venus for years. (laughs) It felt really nice. It had nothing to do with the real world. Just like zero (laughs) anything to do with reality or practicality. But it felt really good. Yeah, it was wonderful. Um, I'm so glad that it it was a uh, transit and not... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I feel like while we're talking about Venus and Pisces, we should mention um, if any of you uh, who are listening read Mystic Medusa, um, you will be aware of the concept of a love zombie. Mm, yeah, the love zombie. Yeah, um, love her concept of the love love zombie. It's someone who has been so deeply afflicted by their Neptune transit that they have lost all touch with romantic reality and have chosen to do completely wild and um, unhealthy things in the name of love. Well, half of the true crime podcasts, you're just like, I bet this woman was going through a Neptune transit on their Venus, right? It was just like yes. taken in by a con man or a cult. You know, all their friends <laughs> thought, it, yeah, a cult. Everybody could see that this was crazy, but they're like, I'm fine. I'm doing great. It's like, it has to be a Neptune transit or they have to have, you know, or if this is part of a pattern, it has to be Venus and Pisces or, or something similar because, you know, the sort of classic, 
a sign of, of that is like everyone around you can see that this is absolute madness. Um, and it's impossible to pierce through the delusion that's been built around them. Yeah. 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 I mean, the Dirty John podcast, I was, I was desperate to find that woman's <laughs> chart. <laughs> I think of that with literally every true crime podcast I listen to. I'm like, give me the birth time. We can solve this mystery. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so one of the things that Venus rules is our sense of aesthetics. Pisces is obviously the sea because of the Neptune influence. Neptune is the god of the sea. Um, and so you see a lot of sort of watery um, motifs. I mean, Chopin is the kind of uh, ultimate example of this, I think. Um, his music is so um, night at sea. Yeah, <laughs> so mellifluous um, and just flowing. It's so beautiful. Um, and also, he had the Venus and Pisces sort of muse aspect because mm. he had this uh, long-term affair with a married woman. Um, but it was very much like, let me just write songs from you for you while you're over on the other side of the room. Like, don't, That's <laughs> like, true. don't come over here. Um, so yeah, so he had a, he had a very well utilized Venus and Pisces, but other artists as well, uh, who have, uh, similar aesthetics, um, like Van Gogh and even, uh, Kurt Cobain. I'm excited to talk about Kurt Cobain. I'm waiting for it. There's a it. lot going on with Kurt Cobain. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot. The self-avowed Pisces, man, there's too much to unpack here. Where do we even begin? Um, well, let's do a basic rundown of his chart and what the placements are. Okay. So, as far as his Venus in Pisces, so he was a Pisces, um, and his Venus in Pisces is in his seventh house, um, conjunct Mercury, Saturn, Lilith, and the Descendant. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, The Venus and the Lilith stuff is very interesting. Um... So one of the things that I notice a lot about the descendant is that it can be where we put stuff that we don't want to deal with. So we project it onto other people. Um, The Lilith aspect of this, um, it's hard not to just bring up Courtney Love in this conversation immediately. Yes. who is maybe the most perfect embodiment of the Lilith character in in our in nineties culture. The sort of very unapologetic, uh unable to behave, unable to keep her mouth right. shut. Um and just sort of running on ambition and desire, uh, in a way that most of our culture found uh repulsive because there is an aspect with Lilith of rejection mm-hmm. um, so or demonization. So it seemed like, and he, Kurt Cobain had a history of like attracting part, similar kind of partners. Um, and, but with Courtney Love, like he really, he really found somebody to play that role in his life. Um, and it's funny to me because in her chart, actually, her Lilith is almost entirely unaspected. Ooh. Unaspected things tend to cause, I don't want to say a lot of trouble, but it's almost like they have more power because they're the unadulterated influence of just that one thing. So that doesn't Mm -hmm. surprise me at all. That's It's like a hungry ghost walking around your house. Yep. Clanking the pots and pans or something. Yeah. I have an unaspected Venus. I know know all about this. (laughs) Wait. You do? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about yeah. that. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Um, but yeah, so... Um, What's besides your... Besides oh, the... Mm-hmm. What? 
Sorry. I was say, what do you think about the fact that it is conjunct Saturn? The Venus? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, Saturn plus Venus, I almost feel like that could have been helpful because the Venus and Pisces thing is so diffuse. Like, it gives it a mm-hmm. container. Saturn is the vessel for the Pisces energy. Um, but that can also be a real clash between um, fantasy and reality. That's like a constant rubbing up against each other that I think can be really hard to manage. Venus and Saturn together are kind of a nightmare um, because it's old age. It's rejection. It's, you know, Venus just wants to be free and playful and spontaneous Saturn it wants a plan uh it's about hardship it's about work uh and so it's just a an issue for a lot of people um it can be a really difficult aspect to have uh in your chart I like what you said about it giving um the Venus and Pisces structure in this case um because especially with Mercury and Venus together here, I feel like there is the um, possibility that it could become so diffuse of just wanting to completely merge one's like inspirations and emotions and thoughts and feelings with the whole world, Um, Mm -hmm. which at times listening to his lyrics and music, you get the sense that he did. Um, It's almost like the Saturn gave him the, um, the patience and structure he needed to actually make work. Um, because I've seen Pisces people that is like they can't finish something because it's like the mm-hmm. act of being in it um, is more pleasurable or more spiritually fulfilling than actually completing the thing that takes another step further to give it that form. Mm-hmm. And also the problem with Pisces is that it's formlessness and it's sort of constant sense of shifting reality of you know between illusion and delusion it can be hard to actually see what's going on venus in pisces can be the idealized lover like you you think your lover is the you know, the most amazing thing mm-hmm. uh the most amazing person in the world and and it can either be that's because that can be nice that can be very romantic Or it can be because he's conning you. Yes. (laughs) Um, And he's draining your bank accounts as you speak. Um, But it also can be hard to be seen when -hmm. you have a lead of Pisces. It can be you're the idealized lover or the idealized person and people are seeing their illusion of you, which can drive a person a little bit nutty. Um, And obviously, Kurt Cobain talked about that a lot, about um, what fame what the fantasy of the rock star and the and just being not seen as a human being um the effect that it had on him um and it's funny to me that when i see him being mentioned on social media when i see him being mentioned in articles like that level of projection is still constantly happening like i, I remember somebody on twitter recently saying that if kirk Cobain were alive today he would be trans um they, wow. you know everybody has a theory about how he died yes <laughs> um which is not actually you know anyway so uh there's that element of it obviously uh still happens after he's dead absolutely i was thinking that as well the the venus and pisces the energy of projection or the the fantasy person um is absolutely what he has going on like a, a little bit of that sort of fan fiction darling type thing where you're sort of idealizing this People often with Kurt Cobain seem to be more in love with the idea of him than actually mm-hmm. who he was or what his body of work speaks. They just want to wear it on a t-shirt, I guess, or tweet about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, with the descendants so active, how could you not have that level of projection, right? It's very powerful. Yeah. 
Um, and obviously this sort of brings up one of the other darker sides of Pisces energy, which is substances. Um, so Pisces energy, uh, you know, it's, it's good for creating art. It's not great for you know, like being in the world and driving a car and paying your taxes and <laughs> doing Definitely that whole not. thing. Reality can be hard for heavily Pisces people. Um, and so you see a lot of substance abuse with um, with some Pisces energy. Um, Billie Holiday, um, uh, Kurt Cobain, obviously, you know, a lot of the people that we've already talked about dabbled. Um, so, yeah. And I, I feel like we should mention, by the way, um, I feel like this has been a very male-oriented uh, episode. Yeah, one of the reasons for that is that the Astro Data Banks, um, they're mostly filled by volunteers. Um, and it's like the Wikipedia problem of uh, the people who spend their time doing this stuff tend to be men right. who uh, <laughs> want to talk about men. Um, and so that's just how it is. So, yeah, it's kind of a problem. It is actually kind of a problem. It really is a problem. Anytime I go to do any sort of astrological research, I'm like, okay, I get it. The white guys with the astrology. Um, but <laughs> even like sea level French actors are way more. You're so right. Okay, trying to find an astrology chart for a rapper is like finding a needle in a haystack. I can't, who was yes. it that I couldn't find? It was like ASAP Ferg or something. Um, mm. But they have every like super old dead French actor. Please yeah. be more relevant with the available astrology yeah. charts. Come on, you guys. Yeah, we need we need to have like one of those campaigns that they have for Wikipedia every once in a while of, you know, women editing and getting this stuff in there. We need equal representation in astrological databanks. <laughs> I agree. If you are feeling brazen and you're somewhere and have the opportunity to ask, obviously get their consent, but uh, see if they'd be willing to contribute their birth data to the cause. Why not? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so substances. Do you <laughs> <laughs> Bringing it back to the good stuff, right? <laughs> I love yeah. it. No, I think um, obviously substances go hand in hand with the Pisces uh, desire for escapism and their mm. wish to sublimate um, and just, I guess, get away from the Concerns of the corporeal world, um, they can either do that from a sense of wanting to sort of numb and disappear or from a sense of trying to reach some sort of higher um, plane of consciousness. But um, with the lack of grounding in reality that sometimes Pisces can have, I say this with love as a Mars and Pisces person, um, you have to be careful, very, very careful. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, making sure that you are looking after yourself because for the Venus and Pisces, doing the basic thing of just setting an alarm to get up in the morning or going to the grocery store, it's not glamorous enough, right? It's not um, getting them closer to their artistic vision. So it can be hard to sort of do those things. It's easier to well, run away. Well, yeah, I mean... Just do it in your pajamas and a fur coat and uh, diamond rings. You know, like if it if it's <laughs> if it's not glamorous enough, you know, you'd make it make it a glamour thing. I, I, no one's stopping you. The best thing I ever saw in Chicago was a woman. It was like during the pol polar vortex, uh, walking around the neighborhood in flannel pajamas, uh, a, a full length fur coat. Cigarette in one hand, cup of coffee in the other, just like, and giant sunglasses. And I was just like, I feel like this is a Venus and Pisces person. That wow, I'm truly a legend. That is amazing. Yes. I feel yeah. like the, the true Venus and Pisces um, outfit is just to, I don't know, go to Venice and like resurrect those um, Henry James's Muses gowns uh, from the bottom of the There's, lagoon and like just strictly wear that yeah. forever. Yeah, yeah, I think that's good. They'll be, they'll be like crystallized with uh, mollusk uh, shells and so on by this time. Very Alexander McQueen, I feel. Very. I love it. Um, yeah, so 
What what should a person do if they have Venus and Pisces besides go to the grocery store in a fur coat? Probably get a hobby and don't <laughs> join a cult. <laughs> I mean, yeah, very basic things. But um, I, the Venus and I say that because the Venus and Pisces energy, it needs a channel. And I feel like that's so cliche and I almost feel embarrassed when I say it to clients, but it's so true. This this is water element at its height. So you have to give it a vessel, give it a container, give it a, you know, a lane through which to flow and it will go so much better. So it doesn't matter what the channel is. Um, I would recommend some sort of art, whether it's visual art or music or writing, um, because Pisces type people in this case are usually naturally very talented in that area. But honestly, like it could be gardening. It could be, um, I don't know, swimming, swimming, flower arranging, Um, Mm -hmm. but just something that you can go to when you're feeling like the world is too much or that you have that longing and you don't know what to do with it, put that longing into that thing and you'll make it. Also maybe, uh, run background checks on all of your lovers. Yes. Um, (laughs) Change your bank account password every 48 hours. (laughs) Get a really solid Capricorn type friend who can like vet all of your new associates. It's important. It really actually is. <laughs> Don't be the next podcast. That's all I'm asking from the Venus and Pisces people listening to this. Just don't. I don't want to hear a podcast about you. That's that's all I want. Good advice. Yeah. <laughs> we would like to thank our Patreon supporters like Ali Lopez, Cynthia King, Francesca Lewis, Laurel Kurtz, Austin Gray, Gigi Matias, Liz Barker, Laura from Los Angeles, Max Daniels, Bobby, Callie, and the post-punk diva from Berlin. Thank you to all of our supporters and our subscribers. And if you would like to join these wonderful people in financially supporting the podcast, you can always go to patreon.com slash badastro.